We'll try the lower key this time. Sure. You, <laughs> you can't scare me. I'm already dead inside. Welcome, everyone, back to another um, beautiful uh, episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the horror film podcast. Still tentatively titled uh, The Horror yeah, Podcast. The Horror Podcast. That one day we'll have a title. Mm-hmm. We swear and tee it. Um, Let us know your suggestions. Yeah, by all means. Uh, again, maybe it, will it be titled by the time it goes out? <laughs> Is that possible? Um, are we asking you to do the impossible? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, today, Chris, I have a question for you. What's your question? Pandorum. Yes, Pandorum, 2009. I remember when it came out, it had all these things that I, I am excited for in a movie. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi elements, horror movie elements, mm-hmm. Ben Foster. Oh, Ben Foster. My dad. <laughs> Wait, your dad? Uh, Dennis Quaid kind of looks identical to my dad. So okay. It's always good. It's always nice to support him. I feel like I'm helping out Pop Pop. Wow, what a weird piece of psychology there. <laughs> When you see Dennis Quaid, you feel like you're supporting him. I do. Um, I wonder how that's going to um, impact your experience uh, here. This is really this is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, I don't want to say too much about it, because um, you haven't seen it, right? I haven't, yeah. That's so the, just, have you seen it, how many times have you watched this movie? Uh, probably ten times. Wow. Um, but not incredibly recently. Mm. So, this is going to be a lot of fun for me. The only thing I will say about it um, is... Um, I foresee in this podcast doing a lot of sci-fi horror, mm. um, and sometimes, uh, just in my perusing of the internet, like the community, um, to try, pushes sci-fi away a little bit, um, and like I'm sure there's going to be a lot of theories about why that is, but part of it is because, I think, um, because in science fiction things are very explained, um, and a lot of the... Um, fantastical elements that make horror so scary mm. like the uh, the implausibility of it in some in some ways um it is sort of explained away in in science fiction it's it's very on the nose with what's happening right um so basically what i'm saying here is i've noticed a lot of people like who are like deep in horror kind of push away from science fiction a little bit because science fiction usually gives the answers you're saying uh maybe that's kind of my theory on it but it seems to be kind of this Mm -hmm. almost unanimous not that's the general consensus on seems it seems to be that um, it's less embraced than other Mm. uh, other styles i guess right um yeah there's definitely a range like even with horror films i depending on what the idea of the horror film is it can be more effective to explain more things. It can be more effective to leave more things open. Same yeah. with science fiction movies to a certain extent. Sure. And yeah, I'm just trying to think about sci-fi horror in particular. Like Sunshine, there's a lot explained, but it still feels ominous. Mm-hmm. And th- there's kind of a sustained mystery throughout the film. So, but would you... like? I-, I would consider Sunshine kind of a sci-fi horror movie. Yeah, Sunshine is... Um has the added benefit of being just gorgeous but sunshine um explains what they're doing with science fiction mm. but um not like the sort of um psychological side of it like where they're falling apart yeah like the, it's i don't know that one you'd say that was more sci-fi than actual horror i think so um 
Because it's pretty scary that, it, that it, moment, the, the third, like the moment that triggers the third act when it's like all of a sudden the computer tells them, oh, there are five people on board. Yeah. Like they thought there were four that arrived there. That's very, very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, again, I think in a very science fiction event, the reveal of that is... That's true. That it's, is pretty, it's, pretty brilliant. You're taking me back to how great <laughs> Sunshine was. But like, I remember so it being like more like gorgeously presented than horrifically you know it's what i mean beautiful. it's, it's a beautiful it's a really film. gorgeous movie not to take away because it definitively has those elements to it i guess event horizon would be another one event horizon is, is for sure horror horror yeah, yeah. so that is where it, the, it sort of tilts in the other direction mm-hmm. um where the science begins to break down mm-hmm. and it, like i mean not necessarily like you could argue that it's a science explanation that they're getting into this <laughs> uh this place where you know the laws of physics break down and weird stuff happens to the human mind like you know you can explain away both directions there but it goes to a very weird yeah you know kooky hellish place i think it's going to be hard for me to make um like well like informed decisions about what qualifies as horror sci-fi for this podcast because i also love sci-fi films yeah, so much that so i think i'm gonna be more sympathetic too yeah that's kind of why i bring it up is because while i've noticed that it seems to be a consensus that science the science fiction side mm-hmm. is resisted a little bit um not at all does that exist in my heart mm-hmm. i that's probably to me the best horror ever gets right. it's, i'm gonna say right now that's my favorite type of horror alien is like mm. Huh. We, we touched on that very briefly about yes. how. Uh, Actually, I don't think that. I think that was our. Yeah, we didn't failed, get that. Failed yeah. take. So there, our failed intro. But we, we'll have that discussion again when we get to Alien. We uh, I, I have a bit of a history with um, <laughs> the Alien franchise. Um, frightened me a lot as a young lad. Um, That's the teaser for our Alien. Yeah. Aliens Ooh. episode, the sequel, right? The second one you said. So aliens was the one that really got me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Alien. Mm-hmm. definitive horror definitive science fiction um like it's both At like deep time. in both yeah. yeah like you can't write one away mm-hmm. they're both so ingrained in what that movie is and that movie's so effective as both right um i do think that's a good conversation that we can continue to have of um like what what criteria if we were to assert a criteria would qualify like a sci-fi horror as still a horror movie and not just science mm. fiction yeah we're probably going to be taking a lot of information from this one to be like mm. to compare against ones that we watch in the future great um there are, there's so much fodder for this movie you're really really gonna like it i'm pumped um and i'll say one other thing is um there are the moments uh, in this movie where we're going to be able to be quite critical um it's 2009 so it wasn't it's not the most recent film um yeah, that's that's another thing about this movie is I, I was always very excited to see it and I always planned to and I never got around to it, but it did get pretty bad reviews. It did. Like it, this is a and this is another thing we'll continue to talk about because mm-hmm. we we disagree often with yes Rotten Tomatoes scores. Yeah, they're so on certain movies. they're insane sometimes. Yeah, there's it's such an insane bell curve right now. Yeah. Like I feel like way too many movies are above ninety percent. Yeah, that's. What, Anyways, that's kind of a different discussion. Oh yeah, but in terms of horror movies, that. some sometimes Rotten Tomatoes gets horror movies right, like they'll recognize The Witch or It Follows as something that's really great, mm-hmm. and other times they'll give a super low score to something that yeah. we really appreciate. Yeah, they 
Well, it'll have to be case by case because they miss the mark for some in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like they think it's way too good, they think it's way too bad. Right. Sometimes they're like, bang on. So, could even be a future segment on this podcast. Yeah, could be. Stay tuned. Could become somewhat consistent. Well, um, should we? Uh, I guess uh, cheers and watch a horror film. Let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. twists and turns i know i kept and where it did i kept having to not just gush and say a whole bunch of stuff i think that's what makes it so great is mm-hmm. it's uh how it develops where it ends up well that's also why i wanted to start by saying like this is a very science fiction movie mm-hmm. because there's a, a tremendous like horror story in the middle of it but just the story of what happens to the people, yeah, you know what what the mission was from Earth and how it ended, yeah, is a deeply beautiful science fiction story. For it to all of long have been just like this crazy hundred, like hundreds of years long thing that just happened. Almost a thousand years on the like under the water yeah. on the planet where they were yeah. all meant to go. Right? Yeah, is it, that's so crazy that they were just they were there. Yeah, they were there the whole time. Yep. All this horror happened in spite of the fact that they had made it there. Yep. I think that's truly unique about this film. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, there's something of a, like, you know, they're, um, making fun of you a little bit mm. in that, you know, well, we were there the whole time. There was, yeah. um, but, like, th- that just goes to show how great the movie was because there was a few moments during the film where you'd turn over to me and say something <laughs> that, like, what were know, some of them? Um, well, the, my favorite one was, um, when you wanted the, uh, the zoomed out shot of the reactor venting, whatever, um, you wanted to see, oh, that would be great for a zoomed out shot. I'm like, probably not. Probably not. (laughs) In my head, I'm like, why, why aren't they having more exterior shots of the ship traveling through space? Because of how cool the few that we saw were. Exactly. And it was very smart of them to refer back to footage of other missions yes. unrelated missions exactly. so that you still wouldn't be disappointed yeah. you got to see some special effects in space with the big mm-hmm. ship you saw like the launch and stuff like that right but you then when it got to the point that the ship had passed um i guess who is um gallo he was flight team four this is the main or yeah the who, who turns out to be the um the lieutenant mm-hmm. um Peyton is actually Gallo, Corporal yeah. Gallo, from either the first or the fourth. I'm not sure which. Flight shift? So, uh, I mean, yeah. you, you've seen this movie a lot now. So I, um, I, I guess the basic structure of how this ship was supposed to travel was there's different flight crews. They're taking shifts yeah, they, they for periods of time. Two-year shifts. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're theoretically out there for eight years by the time that Flight Crew 5 is supposed to wake up and begin right. theirs. Um, so did they say how long the journey would be in total? From Earth to... No, they never... They didn't remember that. That's not something throughout the film, I believe. Um, right. That they ever recall and mm-hmm. can verbalize. Right. And they refer to, like, I've been here a long time. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's got a number. Mm-hmm. And then you see right at the very end that they have been almost a thousand years. Right. Is how long this has gone on. So, um, that means that um, anyone who is alive, like the, that one little guy who gets it in the eye... Yes. He um, is theoretically one of the ones who's been awake the longest. 
and it can't be more than a few years right like at a maximum right which means that they everyone was effectively asleep for most of that time yes so what happened is um to really clarify the story because it takes it's really broken up and i know that all of our listeners paused when we clinked our glasses together to watch the movie to watch the movie with us and they're just finishing up now um, actually, they may have taken an extra couple minutes to watch the um, beautiful credit sequence at mm. the end. Um, Which we skipped over because uh, you said that there's nothing really there. It's just credits. And mm-hmm. Got work to do, Chris. But I assume it's, is it because the reactor was set to, like as a failsafe when they made it on Earth, this thing could last like 800, 900 years. So as a failsafe when it approached critical... Um, critical mass, then it would wake up and release the flight commander. It woke up specifically the um, uh, engineer. Right. The technical engineer. Um, And Peyton. Peyton was um, on the... I guess he was part of the flight crew, uh, the fifth one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess Gallo, after he... Um, I, okay, so this is what I'm not totally sure about. If mm-hmm. Gallo was part of the original launch crew, mm-hmm. um, or if it was the four, it seems more likely that it was years later right. um, that they that Earth was eventually destroyed. Yeah, um, and then this this crazy news caused Gallo to go insane that Earth was gone. You said he was on the fourth flight crew. Um, I think that makes the most sense, and like that's what Gallo's tattoo said. Right. I mean, they eventually like meld in the same one, right? Yes, that's and, that's a great. Great little um, reveal. Yeah. yeah, that was such a good reveal. And you thought that was the twist? You thought that was the twist? The only twist. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Like, usually movies, when they twist three or four times, it's just kind of annoying at the end, but this, it just fits perfectly. Yeah. Like They were just putting down puzzle pieces, and they felt mm-hmm. like twists. It's yeah. like you, you keep adding to this puzzle piece, and the image in front of you is like it's it's a spaceship out in space, yeah. and then you put in the last one, and you realize those stars, they're not stars. Mm-hmm. They're little ocean creatures in the bottom of the sea. Mm-hmm. And suddenly... Yeah. It, it feels like all these reveals, but really it's just changing the whole image that you have. Yeah. Generally, um, when you have the experience with a movie, it just kind of feels cheesy. Like, oh, they just have to yeah. add, tack some twist on. Mm-hmm. But the puzzle pieces is a great analogy. Like, it felt like everything was falling into place with these yeah. twists. By and the you're kind of realizing you're just looking at a different picture rather than they're they're changing the rules on you last right. minute. Um, We're which, trying to do a weird gotcha. Yeah. It, adding some fiction at the end that was doesn't make sense with the rest of the movie. Exactly. It was completely consistent with what was happening. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know it. And, uh, oh, what a beautiful reveal. But, yes, I think he was from the fourth flight crew. So um, he would have been the younger guy right. uh, on crew with the two older mm-hmm. um, guys. And if we do the math right, that's like, this is only eight years after leaving Earth. Yes. Heading towards, what's the name? Tar- tar- Taris? Tardis? Yeah. Know, something something with a T. Something like that. Yeah, so just eight years out of their flight, on, I don't know how long the distance is, but that's when they get the traumatic news that Earth's gone. Earth, Earth's gone. So you guys are heading to this new planet, but there's, there's nothing that you came from. And clearly it makes um, What's-His-Face go particularly crazy. Gallo goes crazy. With Pandorum. Yeah, he um, projects Pandorum onto his co-officers or whatever, but really he's just lost it because he's a young guy, mm-hmm. emotional, um, he's just gotten news that everything's gone and, uh, we clearly see at the end of the movie, he falls apart very easily. Yes. Um, so he's gotten this terrible news. He, yeah, he projects Pandorum onto his, um, co-officers, bludgeons them to death. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, we get this image, um, when the weird guy who was going to eat them tells the story. We get this image of what Gallo did after that point is he like reigned over the ship. 
and like for his own amusement like woke up a bunch of people right like a ton of people and then like deemed them not worthy because this guy is like he's become a like a um self-proclaimed like god yes and uh he banishes all these people to the cargo deck or whatever mm-hmm. um and we learn that uh they have these like enzymes in their feeding tubes that are specifically to help their bodies like kickstart evolution when they arrive on this new planet that's going to have somewhat different conditions mm-hmm. so they need to evolve to adapt to this new planet and what they're saying is these people that were woken up um uh mutated because of that and they instead evolved to adapt to the ship itself because oh, they were they were put into this um cargo hold just to die mm-hmm. by this crazy young guy that's their weird industrial aesthetic. They yeah. have like weird blades sticking uh, out of their back. The cannibalistic attitude. Mm-hmm. All, all that came from being like confined. Humans there. and machinery evolving together over yep, exactly. hundreds of years. Exactly. Over so, hundreds of years, literally. So that one guy who ended up drawing the hieroglyphics on the wall then, this would have presumably been one of the people that the, that guy woke, uh, but more recently, like in decades that had passed. Well, that's, um, that's where it gets tough is mm-hmm. I think... What's happening um, throughout the entirety of the movie is the reactor is like um, having these like flare ups, mm-hmm. where it's not it's not doing the opposite where power is being lost to the ship all at once. It's like every now and then it's like sending out excess energy, I suppose. Right is what's happening. Um, so everything turns on and like is overcharged and whatever for one second, mm-hmm. um, and that's happening in more and more frequent intervals, and that is what causes. Um, the next engineer to have to wake up right is because the reactor is going critical um, but what about if it's eight years um, into flight that gallo kind of figures out earth blows up then is gallo re re-entering sleep he I went back into sleep yeah that did they, was in, did in they the say that at some yeah, point it parted in the story when uh, uh he didn't like the mutant things that began to occur mm-hmm. and what i have to imagine is um yeah, when he didn't like the mutant things that started to happen, or however these people initially reacted to the change, right. um, he went back to sleep, um, theoretically, into in the next team, right? Right. If he was number four, he like didn't go to sleep in team eight or whatever. He went to sleep in team five, mm-hmm. so that, I, I guess, if the next people to wake up would be him in the next right. group. And then I guess at some point during one of his sleeps, if he went in and out of sleep then that's when the crash happened so he missed that through yeah or or he just had pendorm through the crash like there's i guess different explanations as to why he didn't realize that they were on the planet the whole time um well he was uh suffering from the memory affliction as well right he wasn't hiding that from anybody he didn't know who he was until that last minute um and that's Mm -hmm. another thing too is when he was the young version of himself gallo Mm -hmm. um when before he went to sleep Right, um, so he aged to the point of Dennis Quaid, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's how long he, from the time that he killed his officers, let all these people out, mm-hmm. their evolution would have begun. The time, probably 20, 25, 30 years, yeah, is how long he would have been. And so we don't know how long their mission was. So if their mission was like sub hundreds of years to get to this place, mm-hmm. if their mission was like 15, 20 years, yeah, he would have known. Mm-hmm. He would have been awake for it because he That's aged true. all that time, so he was awake. Um, if, however, the mission was going to take them two hundred years to get there, mm-hmm. um, although that would necessitate one hundred 
Cruise. But clearly you can, yeah. No, but I, th- I think crews can rotate. Oh, yeah, I guess like, yeah, yeah, I guess like they, they can, can They can go in, by virtue of the fact that he could go back into sleep sure. and then reawake. Sure. I assume they had three or four crews, but yeah. they would just switch it up. Right, and there would be more, yeah. uh, 100 shifts. Um, but anyway, if yeah. it took that long, he would have gone back into sleep prior to landing and then wouldn't have known when they mm-hmm. woke up. Mm-hmm. It's a big uh, cost, though. I mean, two years of your life, whereas everyone else gets to not age, essentially. Like, this thing kind of suspends you in time when you're in yes. this chamber. You're completely suspended. Um, so I kind of have this like theory, uh, that the guy who, um, caught them and was going to eat them, yeah, that he is like on his way to like becoming like that. Oh, he's like, like, he, he's early on in, in the evolution process, but he's early stages right. of, because he's like clearly cannibalistic mm-hmm. and he's like got this very, uh, almost regressed tribal sort of like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I interpreted that just as he, he was just in, like, conscious and out and aware of the surroundings for, you know, 20 or however long, and it just kind of made him cra- yeah. go crazy. It just kind of made him crazy. Yeah. But um, that could be, who knows where he's getting his nutrition, like, if he's using the feeding tubes or... Sure. Well, he must have been for some... Right. You know, he had to have been unless he's 900 yeah. years old. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he would have suffer from this as well but he's clear been awake a long time but a long time could be anywhere between a few couple mm-hmm. years 10 years like that seems crazy I, I did not expect this kind of complexity for, from this movie in particular it's uh yeah another reason why I felt it very important to call this a sci-fi movie because it's there's a lot of like hard mm-hmm. like dates and time yeah. has passed and this character must have done this theoretically mm-hmm. like a lot of almost number crunching to do right. to interpret the story that's um, fair, but uh, it definitely fits horror as well. I absolutely. Mean, the whole opening hour, essentially, just when you're creeping around, you don't know, it's that unknown. You don't know what these things are. Mm-hmm. They're clearly killing and eating people. Yeah, with like, but using like traps and weapons and rudimentary like armor and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. clothing, but they're like clearly yeah. just monsters. But this is one of my favorite setups for a movie, if it's if for sci-fi movies, is that start with a single individual waking up no recollection of what's happening mm-hmm. slowly piecing together their world slowly introducing other characters who are in the similar situation uh this is how cube starts this yep. is how yeah, like, yeah. the killing room starts like these are like it's always exciting because you get to watch it unfold as the protagonist also watches it unfold yeah exactly that's probably for immersion makes it the best very effective yeah because you're you and the main character have the same information totally like yeah that uh, they did memory really well in this movie as it's like slowly coming back to them. They get little bits and pieces. It's in, yeah, um, and it illuminates more like where they should go. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it puts into place how long you've been awake, how quickly you're responding. Right. It's like took me months to remember that. Like all those little things. Hmm. Um, I wonder if they were constrained at all by budget because while by the end especially in the last half hour i feel the the effects were great like the new planet looks great um but the first the first kind of act it it felt a little shaky like the camera work it was hard to kind of follow the action as it was happening yeah i feel like this might have resulted in some of those bad reviews that it's it's kind of unpleasant to watch a little bit graphically it grinds on you a little bit in the beginning beginning, because you not me anymore but i watched it so many times Mm -hmm. I think mostly because you don't know what you're looking at. Right. More than anything. Like, you're right. They're um, one of the early, like, action sequences. You don't know exactly what happened. And, mm-hmm. like, um, when I've, like, watched this with other people, I've, like, just so you know, he climbed up and pulled the body out of the... That's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was just simple actions. Like, I couldn't... 
it was disorienting. Like it was hard to understand which way was up. And even that beginning sequence where he kind of falls down at one point, like I didn't quite. Yeah, he was. I could like play by play explain everything. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Because again, because like the movie um, has a very very effective voice and perspective mm-hmm. once you fully embrace it and understand right, it. Right. Um, so I can see exactly everything that happens and like they want in, in a sequence where it's like one of the creatures really quickly jumping up on something, stabbing something, grabbing something, jumping away and dragging it off. They're trying to show that instead of grabbing Ben Foster, they grabbed the corpse that he discovered in there earlier. And that's why he didn't get discovered. And it's a creepy way to show this thing walking right. off with a corpse. Right. However, it's shot so rapidly cause they don't want to give this thing a lot of screen time except for that you know, the, um, that hobbling away. With no, the I, t- I totally get that. Like you, that, um, that's essential to revealing a monster is you ab- just want to show like little fragments of it. Yeah. Not give it a full shot until the very end. Yeah. You're, you're totally right though, where it's like difficult to see what's happening mm-hmm. um, a little bit in the beginning. But, that might've held it back. And just weird, like, yeah, it was weird, like shaky, laggy things. Like it, it just, it struck me as they didn't have as much money to throw at the beginning of like the effects of the beginning decided to back, Loaded at the end. I wonder. I, I, I wonder if as well they had maybe like, um, well again we don't know how like mm-hmm. chronologically how it was shot. That's like, true. Um, yeah, like, I'd be curious to find out the budget. Let's yeah, see real quick. Yeah, you might as well. Um, but uh, they might have just had like a slightly different attitude early on in filming. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a common thing that happens. Is um, is it sometimes between act one and two? There's like a change in tone. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it seems crazy to get that poor reviews. I mean, this is a very creatively written movie. It's mm-hmm. very well performed by the cast. Mm-hmm. Ben Foster is fantastic yep. as that lead. Dennis Quaid's great. Dennis Quaid's awesome. Ben Foster, like, I'm always, like, worried that, like, the vein in his head is going to, like, pop. Oh, that's like, hilarious. He's so stressed and, like, t- like tight-jawed that whole movie. That his acting is incredible. Stressed and tight-jawed is the perfect description for his... Um, just the the characters that he does so well, like in three ten to Yuma. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, <laughs> stressed and tight jawed. Stressed and tight jawed. Um, thirty days of night. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, is that what it's called? Thirty days of night. Thirty days of night. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's just he's locked up and he's like, I mean, he's so great at mm-hmm. it. But here he's given kind of a this lead position where so he's more grounded. He's more of the straight character. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. He's very like. I love his performance for so many reasons. Like first the stress and the tight jawedness mm-hmm. is like very important to show that like he's not he doesn't consider himself um over qualified for the world that he's in mm. like he's very much like pushed to his limit immediately as he's just crawling through those like tubes right like he's just like he freaks out and he continuously has like a freak out where he needs to recover from that mm-hmm. um so he's constantly shaking and just like having to like not take a breath for 10 seconds and just like you know get his footing yeah. that happens to him all the time he's like constantly smashing into the ground and like lo- like getting the wind knocked out of him he's, yeah maybe he hit, hit hits his head a little too much i think he hits his head a little too much in this movie <laughs> um he uh he's got this really great little um little uh thing he does with his light um right at the beginning he's like shining it right in dennis Quaid's face but yeah he he's got this like instant like on and off like where he shoots his wrist down and the mm-hmm. light goes down yeah i think he does like, it another time too like a soldier and he does it like when he's climbing out of something he's got a light and he put it he puts it against his leg it's an effective so way to show his training yeah his training really comes out just through the way that he walks around 
Um, Even if his memory isn't there, the muscle memory yeah, is just the muscle. Me- they show that he's like, oh, and mm-hmm. he he makes these like snap decisions, unlike in horror movies. Like when the um, the first time he sees one of those monsters, he's hiding in the boot thing, mm-hmm. uh, and the Dennis Quaid talks to him, and he in- instantly shuts off the right, yeah, um, the communicator just in time. He instantly puts his light down. At the first reaction, he mm-hmm. makes these decisions very quickly. Like he's very scientifically minded in this movie. Right. Like he's not the emotional uh, horror protagonist, mm-hmm. or just the silent open the next door. What'll happen here? Like he's he's really clearly taken a lot of hits from this world, yeah. but handling it very logically. He like turns and runs like a like the um, turn. Terminator 2 like yes just like when he's chasing the cab he's got that like <laughs> robotic run um, down the corridor like he, he just looks like a yeah super trained overtrained soldier engineer kind of guy in right. space. and that really really brings me into the movie is that mm. the main character benefits from his like his training you know yeah like that's that's really important for immersion I think. yeah and it's a cool thing that he's he doesn't even really remember his training like it slowly comes yeah. back to him but it's yeah. instinctual Oh. Speaking of when he's in like the tubes at the start, mm-hmm. the, another thing that makes this movie so great is how across the two hours of the movie, the whole the the world of the movie expands. Like it starts mm-hmm. so tight and claustrophobic. It's just one person in one little chamber, and then it starts to get like a little bit bigger. He he gets into that little mini bridge with Dennis Quaid, but then instantly is thrown back into yeah, that crazy tunnel with all all the tube pipes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So still a little more claustrophobic. Then just kind of a few hallways where you start to see glimpses of the creature. Then you get kind of a broader sense of the ship and the different areas of the ship. Like, it does a wonderful job at growing as the movie progresses. Yeah, it does. That's a very good point. It's a very um, slow reveal every time. Like, Mm -hmm. when they get a new path they can go down. Like, right at first, that is what opens the story. Is like, we can get out here. We can crawl through this vent. Mm -hmm. Because this door is locked and we can't get through. And then from there, not only does, yeah, the setting itself expand, but, like, what they understand, their memories, the setting, like, all of it seems to expand at a very, like, right. similar, like, parallel way. It's, um, $33 million, which seems modest given the scope yeah. of this movie, how big, this, how, how, how many different sets there are, like, different segments of the ship, right? Yeah. They're having to build all of those things. Sure, and and their attention to detail, like they make it a very utilitarian spaceship as well. It's not just like it's not Star Trek where like the doors open when they get mm. close to it, or um, even if you think about um, uh, horror movies in space or any kind of suspense movie in space where they're quickly moving through the corridors, everything's always open, or they are slapping uh, like a button on the wall as they run through and opens the door in front mm. of them, and then they can slap it behind them as they run through. In this one, they're like. They're pumping cranks and like going over and pulling a panel off the wall and like reaching in with pliers and pulling out like some wires and then crowbarring the door open. Like they're, um, or you know, running through what should be an open doorway and bam, they're in a huge uh, like cargo container port and they fall into yeah. it. Like that's interesting. It's, it's a weird juxtaposition between high and low technology on this ship. Mm-hmm. Like in the bridge where it counts, you have these amazing translucent screens that they're operating on. Um, but the doorways, like you said, are just very industrial, like just simple switches, open, close. Yeah. And, uh, the gun that he uses, it's like, uh, he pumps it. What is that thing? Yeah. So that's like the, you see right beneath, it's like non-lethal, um, riot control. 
Like, mm. that's what it's for. Right. Um, so it shoots case. like a pulse wave, right? But it's pumped with like a hand pump. Uh, early on, they don't have any power in the, in the little, where they woke up, mm-hmm. where their little things were. Um, so they pump the little generator mm-hmm. um, with like a hand crank. Mm-hmm. Like those uh, pushes down on the metal grate and then the, a yeah. bench comes up. Like, totally. That was really uh, sweet. Yeah, they push in. They've got all these like little like kind of springs or these like plastic-seeming releases that mm-hmm. like the the bench slides out, the the cargo container slides out very very easily, but like clearly without the use of like intricate like mm-hmm. energy requiring machines. Like totally. That's what you would see in a space mission where they're trying to. They're just transporting humans. Like, yeah, they don't. No... They don't need iPads and. You're not fighting walls. alien. Like the the fact that, that that's really the only futuristic weapon is just that one wrist brace that he yeah. has for riot control, just in case. Yeah. That's the only instance of some kind of mo- like technology which makes it so great when they're fighting yeah. these yeah. evolved mutant humans because they don't have it's it's not flashy. You don't have these crazy weapons that they're utilizing. It's just one simple thing that he's using, and then yeah. it's hand to hand combat. For dealing with it the rest of the time. Yeah, they write uh, when he meets Norman Reedus, and he's got that like, he's got that gun on his wrist, mm-hmm. which by the way is like big and clunky. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not some slick little yeah. pss, pss, like laser gun. Yeah. It's this big clunky riot control, and right away Norman Reedus is like that won't help you. Mm-hmm. Immediately taken away, like he has a weapon, he's fine. He's like ah, good luck. Yeah, you, that'll knock one off you, but there's fifty that are gonna run down the hallway at you. You're that will not do anything. So it's like they don't give power to the weapon in this. It's no. um, it's these people with their crazy martial arts that, you mm-hmm. know. Which, by the way, um, the guy I have no idea what his name is. What uh, any of their names are? Yeah. Um, except Me for neither. Gallo, apparently. Bauer and Gallo. Is Bauer Ben Foster? Yeah. Okay. He's Bauer. Um, and I don't know the rest of them. But the uh, the one guy who didn't speak any English, mm-hmm. um, he is played by Kung Lee, who is a. Um, very famous, prolific uh, MMA fighter. Oh, wow. A middleweight. Um, yeah. You're an MMA fan? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Were you, prior to watching this movie, Like, was it exciting for you to see him in this when you first watched it, or was yeah. that a later? Um, I, no, I didn't know Kung Lee back in this, so when I watched this, he was just a cool dude. But then when you, um, once you do get into it, you see a few of his fights and you appreciate the fight game I a see. little bit. Um, it's awesome to then watch him do martial arts against, like, Mutants. mutants, yeah. Like, that's so cool. I love also the ethics of the mutants in that one fight with him where he he's completely unarmed and the mutant throws him a spear. Yeah. It's like, here, good yeah. luck. That just, <laughs> oh, that was so awesome. Because that also goes to show is that these things aren't just, um, mm-hmm. you should watch your feet. Uh, uh, they aren't just, these creatures um, aren't completely just creatures, animalistic mm-hmm. mutant monsters. They're also, they have this sort of tribal community, like they're hunters, they're playing tricks, they're, mm. they're using weapons, they're not just these animalistic like space zombies, mm-hmm. which maybe early, if you don't get all the way into the movie, you might sort of perceive them as yeah. sort of just these monsters. But they have, they have children that will use their seeming innocence against you. Mm-hmm. So that's, okay, um, so they mentioned at one point, I don't know if they intended to make this a big story element, but they were talking about um, when they first see that little kid thing, the little mutant kid, they're like, they're breeding. Like, mm-hmm. that was a reveal almost. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, so hold, if after eight years, um, Gallo lets everybody out, 
It's after about eight years. It's eight years is the absolute minimum point. That's when he bashes people because yes. that's when they get the news. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth, fourth crew, two years each. Yeah. That's how we deduce that. Yeah. Um, so that's when he, and then in the story that the dude tells, he becomes like a god, and he, you know, he considers himself god. He plays with people, so he lets a bunch of people out, um, who th- one day become these mutants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so either they must have been breeding the whole time or these mutants have survived all this time the original people mm. so it kind of seems to me like they had to have bred um unless there is some like they just haven't explained that he went back to sleep and woke up again another separate time where he did all this stuff i see that's interesting yeah so the, this species this mutant species could, likely has been existing for 700 years on the ship sure, yeah i mean they they have practices down pat Interestingly, when one of them was killed, they instantly swarmed they on that swarmed, dead one and ate, ate it. Yeah, to save it. So they're very cannibalistic against their own. They're just looking to eat. Yeah, which is yeah okay. So yeah, it doesn't. I don't know if they've they live for hundreds of years or mm-hmm. um, if they are have been breeding and that was just a confusing point to mm-hmm. to say. Either way, I mean, they had to they had to explain and reveal so much. It's kind of I'm okay with not having sure having. Um, all the loose ends tied by the end. Yeah, well, um, you just wonder how many of them there were. You wonder if any of them survived that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, so this when they were when they're in the reactor, did you get the sense that that's where all of them lived, or that was just where kind of some of them were? Like I mean, the ones that were down there, it looked kind of younger. Like looked like they were maybe the teenagers, young adults, and the warriors were kind of out somewhere else. How I would explain that is they probably looked younger um, because there was less features uh, makeup features and like prosthetics on their actual bodies right a larger crowd because it's a large crowd that's a lot of work to that's have. yeah that would be my because even like the faces kind of looked almost normal human they were trying to show just bodies piled up more than they were trying to show the individual features of the ones in the pile man 33 million seems like very little if you you take into consideration that you have to build this entire giant ship mm-hmm. as a set you have to make up and costume all those mutants and then you have to do all the special effects after. Like, yeah. yeah. How how is it possible? Because like because all right. So you've just seen it. It's the greatest. It's clearly deserving of a higher. I really liked it. Again, I wanted I wanted some of the effects of the start to be a little bit better, but I think sure. it just needed some more money, and then it could have gone all the way there. I didn't have any problems with the writing. Um, maybe the editing too. Like I don't know if it was more the effects or the editing near the beginning. Near the beginning, you're right. You're just right. Uh, I don't. I can't see a situation where like you don't have money in the beginning have money at the end if like they it shot seems, chronologically yeah, yeah if they know. shot it in reverse yeah my again like my guess i think that they're just being economical with it and they just like let's let's really do the the rest of it well and yeah. maybe at the start there was one in particular that like i think it was a flashlight dropping scene mm-hmm. where it just like did the that weird like staticky thing that they did like on xena and hercules a lot of the time and that that was yeah. really like i was I don't, like oh come on come on you can do better than that yeah but by the end i was fully on board i was engrossed the whole time again like we i think we made the least amount of comments on this out of all yeah. our horror movies that we've watched together so far we were just, and that's that's just a testament to how much this plot totally sucked me in um i can't believe it's not revered more it's, it's a great great sci-fi um and I th- again i think in the uh sci-fi community it's a little it is more well respected interesting um, yeah because it's if you just didn't even consider the monsters and the horror element at all, it's a great story. Totally. Like, right? Like, so, and that's, well, and I think that's where its strength lies, and the horror element is very good, is mm-hmm. pre- pretty good, we'll say. Like, I, I don't find that, um, I was 
terrified by mm. this movie at any point. Like that's it's, true. It's not. I I did not don't often like bite my nails. My heart doesn't like race too much. Mm-hmm. It's mostly in the reveals and just like the claustrophobic scenes, like where things are tight, where he's about to be discovered. Yeah. You know, there's a loud reveal. Yeah. It's not terrifying. It's more. It's exciting. There's enough to still call it a horror, but yes, it's got the elements, but those elements aren't necessarily what make it like so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, it's more in the storytelling. Um, I can't believe I waited this long to see it. And like I imagine, like you said, if the horror, the horror sci-fi community or whatever is more embraces it, I imagine a movie like this will only grow in cult status as yeah. word of mouth gets around. And yeah, it's well, I mean, since two thousand nine, it has been a little while. Like it's been a while. I think it's it's achieved what it's going to achieve, um, and as people watch, I really think it's going to be sci-fi movies that push them to watching Pandorum. Is it's going to be from the sci-fi angle instead of the horror? Angle yeah, because you're just going to long for something. Yeah, you know that has that tells a really good story, mm-hmm. um, with pretty good effects. Like, do you know if this director or the screenplay writer, if they've been given another shot or if they've gone on to? No, I didn't, uh, I never, never followed up. Let's do a little Travis Miller. Let's let's listen to the screenwriter. Um, yeah. Let's see what he's up to. Came up with the story and he wrote it. We can cut out all the silence. No, we can leave it in. I think people like that. People like listening to just like... They like the element of realism as they're commuting to work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you can just hear those people behind you, like, a little more clearly. Is it Travis Milby. Milby. Oh, those are bees. Space font. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We just had a a real quick problem with the space font on the screen right now. I think coming up. Did we mess it up again? Travis Malloy? Is that an O, perhaps? It looks like an O to me. But I also confirmed that it looked like a B. It's Travis Malloy. Found it, guys. You thought we wouldn't. Yes, producer for Pandorum. He only has four credits. He has, since Pandorum, the next thing he's written is 2016, Somnio, a sci-fi thriller. Ooh. Ooh. I wonder. With, like, a pretty low cast, so it's probably, like, a low-budget one, but... I'd love to see him. Somnio. A man trapped in an automated prison must outsmart a computer in order to escape and try to find his way back into the outside world that may already be wiped out. Sounds similar in themes. Yeah. Like, maybe more time has passed than he can account for. We'll have to check that out. We will. On a future pod. Yeah, that's, uh, that might be good. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but, I mean, you wonder if, um, because, I mean, now it's 2016. Do you think people want, like, Pandorum was pretty good. Let's yeah. get him. Totally. Or, I hope, well, again, like, I, I, I feel like, I, I know a bunch of people who do enjoy space, sci-fi movies, or whatever, and this one doesn't come up as much as it should. But I'm a convert, and I will what? preach the gospel of Pandorum. You must have shown it to people. How do they react when, when they see it? Everyone loves this movie when they watch it. Yeah. Once they finally sit down and watch it. Yeah, and what's the total runtime? I um, think it's just under two hours. Just like under an two hour hours. Forty. There. So that in both the sci-fi and the horror community is a little long, mm-hmm. I think. And with a weak beginning, which you're making good points about how the beginning is. I think it's very strong in terms of um, setting stuff up, but like in terms of what you're seeing, yeah, maybe it's weak. Yeah, a little, a little choppy and concerning. Like, I was concerned at first a little bit. I, I loved, again, the claustrophobic stuff was very... It kept me wanting to watch. Um, but then once yeah. once it got going, once we got into the 30, 40-minute mark, I was fully on board. And I figured, because that, that tends to be what happens. And I guess, um, since my first viewing, it's just been so long 
that it's hard to remember exactly how that hit me the first time. Totally. But uh, I probably took a little bit of time before I was enwrapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, knowing every subsequent viewing, and this is something if you ever watch it again, knowing what happens. It's a yeah. In, in movies where they've got really great twists, applying that twist to the whole movie as you watch it is so much fun. It's great. It makes it so exciting to watch it again and notice it. It's yeah. like there's two experiences of watching these kinds yeah. of movies: the first time and the second time. Yes, exactly. And Pandorum really, yeah. really. It was so great watching this. Coherence is another one. Oh my god! Just like that. Yeah, exactly. That we praise okay. every episode of this podcast. Coherence. That'll be what we do every single time. <laughs> Coherence is the best movie ever. Watch Coherence and watch Pandorum. Um, you it's really should watch Better Pandorum. than Interstellar. Well, yeah. Are you an Interstellar fan? Oh, I just think it's uh, it's a pretty great um, piece of art. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that uh, my little 2009. Uh... You know, maybe we'll have more agreement on horror podcasts and less agreement on sci fi dramatic father daughter movie oh, podcasts. I, I've got my problems with it too, but like, it just seems like such a heavy hitter. Um, I love that you said that. I, I personally there. prefer Pandorum to Interstellar. I never thought to compare the two. <laughs> um, but uh, it's nice to hear someone else say that. Both are both are spaceship movies where they go to try to find a place to relocate Earth because Earth mm-hmm. is depleting of resources. It's on its last hurrah. Yeah. Both are feature are this question of are they going to make it? You know, this is humanity's last hope. Sure. Right. Both are long. Both have <laughs> two hour. Interstellar feels long. too long. This one does not feel too long. This was like that's the thing for like you said, a hundred and or an hour and forty five minutes for a sci fi horror movie. Usually that it can get convoluted too long at that point. Mm-hmm. With this many twists and details, it could feel like the writing's too convoluted, but not at all with this. Well, yeah, like um, the final reveal in this movie happened like dead thirty seconds before the credits. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that's. You know, what you can expect in a lot of good horror movies, but, um, oh, man. the, you, they escape, you know, they finally escape, you know, the, along with 1200 other people. I mean, well, that is the final reveal is they know that they're on the planet now and they escape and they get up to the air and they, we finally made it. And they're sitting there like we're on the new planet. And then all the other pods like come up. Yeah. You see the first one. Did they say at any point in the movie, how many were on the crew on the ship originally? Um, they may have, I don't Probably know. close to 2,000. Yeah. Um, it could even be drastically more than that. Mm. Um, I don't want to say that there was four to five, mm. um, but I feel like that's a number that I saw. Um, could be. But yeah, because you have to consider there's a ton of mutants, um, 1,200 mm. people who are still in pods, yeah. and... Um, all the people who are who have died and been used as food and who are still scaring around That's in the birds and stuff. That's true. Um, it would be a very different sci-fi movie, but it would be an equally compelling movie to just start right at the end of this one. 1,200 people washed ashore. Everyone has memory slowly returning. Yeah. How do we rebuild? Like, I assume there were, like, all those resources are still on the ship underwater. Is there still any mutants down there that are hanging around that we have to deal with? No. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot you can go there's from here. There's a lot for a Pandorum sequel. Um, and you're right, it wouldn't be the same type of movie in the same way that uh, Aliens wasn't the right. same type of movie at all. Right. Um, it was, like, more of a, like, action romp. Mm-hmm. And that would be great for Pandorum, too. I'd be curious to see it. Oh. Again, 
Maybe that's something that we can write. We'll write it. Pitch Travis. Milby. Milby Malloy. Malloy, Miller. Miller. Whatever. Yeah. Um, All of them. We'll pitch all of them. We're going to do Pandorum 2 for you. Don't worry about that. We got it on lock. Uh Um, After we do... I I also want to do Paranormal Activity 5 through 7. We got it. (laughs) We got them all. Oh, I can't wait. Great. Uh, Anything you want to say finally on Pandorum? Um... Just that this, uh, first of all, this has been um, David Stoneborough, and uh, this has been Chris Vandenberg. Yeah, and that this one for me, for David, uh, this is, geez, it is a high-ranking um, movie for me, and I'm glad we could all um, sit down and enjoy it together. I thought it was great. I'm so glad that you insisted we did this one so early. Yeah, I did insist. Yeah. And I'm assuming if you're still listening, then you also got on board, or you're also on board with Pandorum, so thanks for joining us in this discussion. If you have any alternate opinions about uh, plot details, mm-hmm. um, send it in to us, and we'll we'll talk about it on the next one. Yeah, and anything that's like it, uh, any, anything similar... Um, Recommend us stuff. Yeah, let's hear it. Or just say hi. Yeah, or, or tell us uh, why, that we're dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, criticism is great. That'll happen anyway. We'll read your criticism. Yeah, we'll read it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll catch you next time. See you later. Scaredy cats. Bye, scaredy cats.